0: Welcome to the third quarter conference call for GWK investment management. This call represents the views and opinions of GWK investment management and does not constitute investment advice, nor should it be considered predictive of any future market performance. On the call today is Harold Kotler, CEO and Chief Investment Officer, Bill Sterling, Global Strategist, and Jim McCarthy, Partner and Director of Private Client Services. As always, we'll open up the call with some comments from Harold.
1: Thank you, Jim. So, we're in the process of trying to figure out whether inflation is temporary or more long-lasting, whether interest rates are going to reflect the immediate or the future. Uh, Meanwhile, the backdrop is earnings are great at the corporate level, and the country is going back to work. So, we have just a multitude of cross-currents in a world that is politically stuck, but knowing full well we're going to get some legislation, so we're at the crossroads. So it's very hard to really have a strong belief in which way it will go. Obviously, we attempt to give you the highlights, but from my point of view, I think the inflation will be temporary last one or two years while this pandemic crisis finds its way through and we end up with more normalized earnings growth and real growth in this economy of 2% plus as we were enjoying prior to the pandemic. So we'll, we'll talk in the greater specifics about how we feel about these issues but knowing full well that there are a lot of variables that we have to contend with.
0: Thank you, Harold. Um, We're gonna start uh, the questions overseas first. Uh, This first one is for Bill. So Bill, China has been a continuing story throughout the year. Uh, The government regulation of the technology sector has continued to evolve over the past 12 months. Um, The recent concerns over the possible possible failure of the massive real estate firm Evergrande uh, caused some volatility globally, and we've seen large fluctuations in China's GDP. And additionally, their equity markets have struggled. What direction do you see for the Chinese economy in the coming year? And are equities attractively valued after the recent declines?
2: Uh, sure. Well, you know, not only has there been that um, government-led regulatory clampdown, but China's economy has been hit by a number of other factors this year, uh, such as power shortages. Um, rolling COVID lockdowns, and uh, and of course, the property market credit crunch that seems likely to bring down Evergrande with uh, something like $300 billion of liabilities, which is 2% of China's GDP. All those factors combined have led China's growth uh, that was running close to 8% in the second quarter to um, decelerate to 4.9% in the third quarter. And most economists now think it's going to be closer to 3%. Um, in the fourth quarter, reflecting the cumulative weight of all those factors. Um, That said, we think the worst of the regulatory clampdown is probably behind us. Uh, They're already taking actions to deal with the power shortages. Um, We think that we'll probably see um, the Evergrande crisis resolved um, in a way that means it's not another Lehman moment uh, for the world economy. Uh, They will deal with that uh, crisis. probably um, begin to institute pretty significant fiscal and monetary policy stimulus um, in the coming um, months and quarters, which suggests to us that you could see a reacceleration of growth to something like 5 percent uh, in 2022. And against that backdrop, we think Chinese equities, which are trading at something like 15 times forward earnings, are pretty attractively valued.
0: Thank you, Bill. Um... Inflation has uh, continued, continues to be a lead story in the financial news. And you know, as, as Harold mentioned, uh, we do believe it'll it'll mitigate over time, but, but many experts uh, question whether it's transitory and maybe it can persist for an extended period. So um, back to the inflation topic, Harold, do you feel that some of the supply chain uh, issues, inflationary pressures such as shipping and semiconductor uh, chip shortages will ease anytime soon? And then what about things that Last longer, uh, energy costs and wage inflation. Can any of these derail the U.S. economy?
1: Well, I think, answer your last point first, it will not derail the U.S. economy. Um, and I do think it's transitory. I think that uh, even uh, commodity prices are a reflection of uh, the immediate times. If you reflect back on what I've said over the years, that I don't think inflation is built into the U.S. system in a global economy with technology increasing in efficiency and productivity. Um, I think that the long term problem of the United States is poor immigration policies and poor uh, growth and just uh, birth rates, and that we're mature. And though there's a lot of noise out there over the next year or two, uh, I think when you scale it all back, it's going to be normalized. I always believe also that energy prices is a tax and uh, it hurts consumers. And But on the other hand, consumers are so wealthy right now that right now it's mitigated. I think the other problem is the working habits of the people who have been impacted by the pandemic. People are choosing a new way of life and are not so readily coming back to work or taking care of their children until the COVID issue is corrected amongst the young children. We probably will have a shortage of workers and there will be pressure on wages. And that's not so bad. Uh, But again, uh, I think we have to separate the next two, three years the years after that.
0: Thank you, Harold. Um, and over to you, Bill, on, on the inflation topic, are other countries around the world experiencing the same inflationary pressure pressures and labor shortages?
2: Well, I think the labor shortages are a little more intense in the United States for a variety of reasons, but uh, certainly the supply chain disruptions are being seen on a global basis because we've got such tightly integrated uh, global supply chains um, that have been brought, brought together you know, across borders over the last couple of decades. And we're also seeing commodity price rises, whether it's energy or non-energy commodity prices, filter through to at least upstream inflation pressures in almost every country um, around the world. So, you know, as a result, we've seen uh, more than half of emerging market central banks already having entered a, a, a rate-hiking cycle now. Uh, to contend with that and the beginning of some developed market central banks some of the smaller ones recently like norway or uh, new zealand have started to raise rates Uh, bank of england looks like they'll do so before the uh, end of the year um, as well but remember um, the central bank textbooks textbooks say raising rates due to a supply shock is not necessarily um the the right policy because raising rates isn't going to create more semiconductors it's not going to find more shipping containers Um, those disruptions as harold indicates are disruptions due to a a natural disaster that are just going to take time to sort themselves out so you don't want to see the central banks overreact to um, you know these uh, episodic disruptions we're seeing right now
0: thank you bill We're going to move on to the Federal Reserve. Uh, The Fed is now expected to start tapering or reducing its bond purchases in November or December. And it's also anticipated that they could start raising short-term interest rates by the middle of 2022. Um, Harold, do you feel this is too early or too late? And with GDP slower than anticipated and inflation higher, does this concern you? Uh,
1: Yes, yes, and yes, and yes. To the extent that inflation may be an aberration over the next year or two Uh, the federal reserve has to be very careful not to raise rates too much too soon uh, because when you get to two years out uh, what will the economy look like what will interest rates be and will you inhibit any decent recovery uh, that could be uh, sustainable so i think the fed Uh, hopefully is not impacted by political pressure and short-term inflationary numbers because they could get whipsawed if they were to raise rates too quickly and in fear of inflation, and then a year or two later, inflation starts to ebb and you're sitting with higher rates that may actually hurt the recovery. Uh, We have to be very careful given the amount of debt there is in the system, both governmental and individual and corporate, to make sure that rates stay low uh, so we have a competitive environment and then we can service the debt. So if interest rates were to jump uh, 100 or 150 basis points, uh, I certainly would be a big buyer of bonds because I don't think it's sustainable.
0: Thank you, Harold. Um, Over to Bill um, and staying with the Fed. Uh, The Fed's such a large participant in the bond market right now. Do you anticipate volatility and higher rates as the U.S. government continues to uh, issue U.S. debt in, in wake of the Fed tapering?
2: Well, I think the size of that debt issuance is almost certainly going to be uh, coming down um, you know, from the sort of emergency levels we've seen over the past uh, year or so. Um, but of course, you're also going to get a tapering of the Fed's uh, purchases, um, which has brought the balance sheet to $8.6 trillion. And the whole point of that quantitative easing, the large-scale asset purchases, was to keep downward pressure on rates to help the economy recover. So as they back away from that over the next uh, six to eight months, uh, you could see some upward pressure on rates. But there are going to be some limiting factors. Harold's already pointed to some of them. Um, But certainly the fact that you've got uh, about almost $12 trillion of negative yielding debt still around the world, much of that being in Europe or zero yielding debt in Japan um you know suggest uh, that could keep uh u.s yields from rising too much even as the fed uh moves into that taper and stops buying so many um you know so many long-term treasuries and mortgage securities uh so i you know i think it's going to be uh, there certainly could be some move uh to the upside but uh there are definitely limiting factors particularly if inflation at some point begins to come down as these um, you, you know factors uh, the supply side shocks that we've been experiencing get sorted out.
1: Uh, but Bill, you might comment less sir, is still more and the size of the deficit continues to rise.
2: Uh, yeah, well the, the outstanding government debt continues to rise, but you might go from a deficit as a percent of GDP from say fifteen or 16 percent currently to six or seven percent, maybe going to four percent. Um, but certainly the, the outstanding bonds will rise, uh, certainly under that scenario. But the, the impetus for the economy actually depends on the rate of change of the deficit. So uh, that rate of change will actually be a moderating source, potentially, uh, for the economic activity over the next year or two.
1: But the ability to service that debt uh, it still has a lot to do with the size of the debt. Oh, certainly. And, uh, interest rates rising. Even incrementally lower rates still has to be financed. So right. both, uh, I think, are contributing to what we're worried
0: about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harold, to Bill's uh, point about negative interest rates around the world, I mean, if rates move up even a little, let's call it another fifty basis points, a half a percent in longer-term rates, does does it become a lot more attractive for global buyers to to enter the U.S. markets?
1: Probably, um, if they're looking for a return. Um, look, there's a lot of money chasing opportunities, and uh, any incremental move vis either the world will be uh, to the advantage of the U.S. dollar. We're lucky uh, that we're the currency of the world, because it's, it's liquid and it's available and it has a positive return. On the other hand, given the level of inflation, uh, at least for Americans, the return probably is zero to negative on a, uh, on a real basis. So uh, there could be more upward pressure than anybody would like. Uh, hopefully that doesn't occur. Uh, but um, the vigilantes out there will, uh, well, if they get scared, if you have a quarter where inflation seems really uh, uncontrollable, or the Fed has lost its ability to control or is behind the curve, uh, you could have interest rates pop.
0: We're going to move on to uh, the equity markets now. Uh, So Harold, the markets took a bit of a breather in September. The S&P 500 was off over 4%. Um, Do you feel that equity markets still have upside over the next six to 12 months, and, and could anything such as slowing corporate earnings, the Fed, or debt ceiling discussions derail the markets?
1: Well, the market is driven by earnings and cap rates. So if interest rates stay where they are today, the government yields, even at a 20 multiple, the return on the equity market is 5%, with yields in governments at 1%, 1 1.5%. It's still attractive, but it's totally based on the earning trend, which I think will continue at a slower p- pace. And um, there's going to be consolidation. We've had, not only has the market been down 4%, there's a lot of movement. Many stocks haven't gone down at all, and some, many stocks have gone down quite quite a bit. So we're in a transitory time, It's not all in or all out. I think it's a stock picker's market, and you have to be careful and knowing full well valuations are full, but also knowing there's a lot of liquidity in the system and the risk on trade is still in progress. But you have to be much more careful than you've been in the last uh, year or two or three.
0: Thank you, Harold. Um, back to Bill, and I was hoping you can give us an update on the economies across Europe and Asia and how have the economic recoveries progressed. Are they open? Have COVID vaccination rates improved since earlier this year?
2: Uh yeah, you know, well, Jim, we've seen a lot of mixed trends, um, you know, globally. The U.S. looks like it, its growth rate moderated quite a bit in Q3, partly due to the Delta variant. Uh, China slowed for the reasons I, I mentioned before. Uh, but Europe looks like it's been going gangbusters, maybe 8 percent annualized GDP growth in, in Q3 as their vaccination rates have actually caught up with and then exceeded uh, those in the United States. So the reopening is going pretty well um, in Europe. You know, elsewhere in Asia, um, the the giant Indian economy had a very rough second quarter because of the Delta variant. But uh, things have improved uh, pretty dramatically. Uh, there. And uh, the IMF now expects 9.5% GDP growth for India next year. So um, the global economy looks like it's probably going to reaccelerate, um, particularly after the two giant economies, U.S. and China, slowed in the, the third quarter, but look like they could be um, you know, poised for better growth in
0: 2022. Thank you, Bill. A final question for Harold, and we touched on some of this already, but uh, the labor markets in the U.S. have been a struggle. Uh, most recent jobs report was disappointing, 194,000 jobs created versus an, what was it supposed to be around a half a million in September. Um, is it gonna be a long road back for the U.S. labor markets? I mean, what will it take to get people off the sidelines?
1: Well, they may be there permanently. Uh, people have learned lessons of how to live differently with a pandemic and um, concerns about the health of children, health care, and uh, child care. It, there could be a, a real shortage of labor in this country, which has some benefits, of course, that those who are able to work will get uh, higher wages, which will help them enjoy middle-class lives. But there is an issue here. Again, going back to population growth, going back to immigration, um, now we have a different mode of attitudes, psychology. There's a shift. I think one of the long, one of the long lasting event effects of the pandemic is not the inflation, it's not uh, the, the supply sh- uh, chain problems. They'll correct. Business knows how to correct. It may be uh, the shrinkage of the labor market and what that really means for businesses to find competent workers at all levels of the economy. And that may put pressure on wages, which will be okay, but shortages is not a healthy thing. And how we have technology on our side, but these, these, are, these, these could be constructively difficult things to address in the short term and we have to watch this this is i think the biggest x factor in the current economy that may have long-lasting implications
0: thank you harold that concludes our call i wanted to thank everyone for listening this quarter as always please do not hesitate to reach out with further questions